You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, here in person as well as the many online. It's so good to be with you today. I woke up uh, Wednesday night, uh, early Thursday morning, actually, with um, just kind of a download from the Holy Spirit of a, a change in the message for today. And, and although it applies somewhat to what happened in our capital last week, it actually has much more to do with what God has been teaching me uh, through this season of prayer and fasting. And I, and I think that's an important distinction um, because we live in a world where everyone has an opinion about what we should think, what we should post, uh, what we should do, what we should say, and I'm concerned that the body of Christ is not giving enough attention to what God thinks and what God is doing and how God wants me to think and how he wants me to be and what he wants me to say. And I think God's voice is getting lost in the noise of our culture. So today, as we continue in our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I want to focus on a prayer practice that I believe will enable us to do a couple of things. One, to silence the noise for a moment, and two, to set us up to hear God's voice and be formed by him, shaped by him, and to take him into the world that needs him. You know, the primary purpose, I mentioned this last week, the primary purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do what we want God to do or to get him to do what we think he should do or we need him to do. The primary purpose of prayer is to get Steve to be what God wants Steve to be, to get you to be what God wants you to be. It's about formation. Prayer is about uh, the change that God wants to bring in us before any change he wants to bring around us. But most of us have been taught, if we've been taught at all about prayer, is that prayer is, is to move the heavens, to get, to get God to do things. And prayer does move the heavens, and prayer does get God to do things. I'm not saying it doesn't, but that's not its primary purpose. And that's actually really important that we don't get those two mixed up, because Prayer is about being formed into the image of Christ, becoming more like him. So as part of my kind of uh, time in prayer this last two weeks, I, this past week I was part of a prayer school, an online prayer school out of a church in Missouri. It was Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights, three days. And there was a session on Wednesday night, just hours after what happened in the Capitol on contemplative prayer. And, uh, and, and, I, and, and I'm gonna teach you a little bit about contemplative prayer today, but, it, but this teaching, this lesson happened just hours after the attack on the Capitol, many of whom called themselves Christian. And I've been reminded this week of the importance of sitting at the feet of Jesus, to return to our first love, to be formed and reformed into his character to hear his voice. The best way, uh, that, that phrase contemplative prayer might be new to, to some of you, but the best way to define it is maybe just for me to, to reference a few passages in scripture of where this practice uh, kind of came from. Uh, in Elijah, it was not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire that the Lord spoke to him. It was, it was the still small voice of intimate, personal communion with God, waiting for his presence 
for his voice. David highlights the value of this spiritual discipline in Psalm 4, verse 4, where he writes, meditate within your heart on your bed (laughs) and be still. Probably before you wake up and before you go to, when you wake up and before you go to sleep to to meditate on God's, uh, on God's voice, on his word, to be still, to wait for him. Another psalmist represents the same kind of idea when he exhorts the people in Psalm 46 to be still and know that I am God. The stillness isn't part of our culture right now, is it? It's, it's, there's, there's frenetic, it's frantic, it's moving, it's worry, and it's anxiety. And Jesus himself, who lived and breathed the Old Testament scriptures, often retired to a quiet, secluded place to pray, to be still, to get away from the noise. He obviously believed it was an important practice in his own life, uh, and his disciples learned to follow his example. And so today I wanna, I wanna show you an example of this uh, in some ways, if a fun story in the Bible. In Luke chapter 10, if you have your Bible, you can open up and follow along with me. And, um, and uh, if you don't, it'll be on the screen or you can reflect on it later. But I love this story of Mary and Martha. Uh, Jesus often visited Mary and Martha in their home. They are the sisters of Lazarus. Some of you might know that. And Lazarus is the one who died and Jesus raised from the dead uh, later in the gospel. And, 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 and so he often went to Mary and Martha's house. That was kind of a stopping point on their way to Jerusalem, him and all of the disciples. And maybe you remember Mar- Mary, it was their wealthy family. Mary was the one who, who poured uh, perfume a year's it was it was so expensive it was like worth a year's wages poured that perfume on the feet of Jesus and so this is a wealthy family they probably had a very large home certainly large enough to to have Jesus and 12 young men in their house so they have to have some food you know what I'm saying I mean young guys I've had I have four I've had four young sons and when all of their sons all of their friends decide to show up at my house we better have some food in the house and so that's the kind of the picture I want you to have of this scene of of all of these young guys in Mary and Martha's home and uh, and I just I just love this story and so we're going to start in verse 38 as Jesus and the disciples continued on the way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna talk throughout this story of just some things that just jumped out at me as I read through it. She welcomed Jesus into her home. See, there's something about prayer and, 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 and that we are the initiators See, see, sometimes maybe we think that Jesus will invade our space and do something dramatic, but that rarely happens. It usually happens when we create a space and an environment for him to to come into our space. And I love that it was in our home because uh, we've been spending a ton of time in our homes lately, haven't we? And to invite Jesus into those spaces. And, and maybe it's even a challenge probably to find a quiet place in our homes now. Maybe it's a little earlier in the morning or later at night. But to find a space where you can welcome Jesus like Martha did into her home. I just love that. In verse 39, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. It's a picture of contemplative prayer. It's like a picture of Mary. She's sitting at his feet. Just get that picture in your mind. And, 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 and she, I just love Mary. She was, probably, she was probably started to help Martha in the kitchen, but she saw all those guys in the, in the living room 
listening to Jesus teach, and she's like, this isn't, this isn't a boys club. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to sit at his feet and listen to him. I mean, I want to be part of this. And she, so she does, and she sits at his feet, and there's, there's a power dynamic happening, and I think it's really important to see this, is that Mary is submitting herself to the voice of Jesus. She's submitting herself to the will of Jesus, to the teaching of Jesus. She is the one receiving, not telling. She's the one listening, not speaking. See, I think sometimes in American Christianity, we put ourselves on a peer level with Christ. And it's inappropriate. He is above, we are below. He is great, we are small. And it's, and it, and it's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing where we get to receive from the master of all things, from the creator of all things, right? To be able to sit at his feet and listen to his voice and understand his way. It's contemplative. It's this, I'm gonna gonna sit and listen and think about the way of Jesus. In verse 40, but Martha, but Martha, there's a Martha all all around us. There's Martha standing up here right now talking to you, matter of fact. There's Martha's everywhere. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. How many of you have ever been distracted when you tried to pray, right? It's, prayer is not easy because there's so many distractions around us and there are big dinners, there are big issues that are probably worthy of our attention, right? And yet, there's something better. See, the, the, the issues that we're facing are bigger and, and, they're, and they're not unimportant, but there's something that we have to, we have to put the right priority when it comes to prayer. And so Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing and she came to Jesus, I love this, okay, and said, she came to Jesus and said, what's that called? Prayer. She came to Jesus and said, right? So she's saying something to Jesus, just like we often do. She's coming and she's praying to Jesus. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her, Jesus, this is what I'm praying, tell her to come and help me. She prayed a prayer that most of us pray when we do pray. God, I need you to do something for me on my behalf. Now, I need you to get Mary to do what I want Mary to do, right? I want... I want she, she wants to get God to do what she thinks God should do. See, we come with our agendas and our biases and our political desires and how we think the world should work. And we ask God, sometimes tell God what we need him to do. Well, it was at this point in the, the, on Wednesday night during my prayer, school, school of prayers, we were walking through this passage. It was at this point in the teaching where it occurred to me how relevant this story is to our present moment. I've, I've heard from so many Christians in the past three months, then probably all the years combined together of pastoring this church, telling me to do what they think I should do. Let's call it, for lack of a better phrase that I couldn't think of, I thought about it for a while, I call it combative Christianity. Especially as opposed to this idea of contemplative Christianity, but this idea that I, I need God to do what I need him to do in your life. 
And I'm going to tell you what I think God wants to do in your life. And many of the prayer movements that have emerged recently are, let me tell God what God should be doing. Under the guise of thus saith the Lord even. And seeing crosses and Christian symbolism at the Capitol last week. It's not the heart of Jesus. It's not his way. It's just not. It's not his way. It's not his way. See, it's like Martha where we insist God and other Christians do or say what they, what we want him to do or say what we think he should be doing. And it's combative. It's not the heart of God and it misrepresents his purposes on this planet in this day. The only time, it's interesting, the only time where Jesus or the early church looked combative was against the religious establishment. Not the government establishment. Remember when Jesus went into the temple and he just ripped up the tables, the money changers in the temple because they were putting other things above God. They were, they were practicing idolatry and Jesus was not gonna have any of it in his church, in his temple. Us, the body of Christ, he doesn't want any idolatry in us. It was only in the third or fourth centuries of early Christianity before we start to see Christianity engaging politically. And I've, I've wrestled, you guys, I've wrestled just for months, actually, with calling out Christians who I believe are misrepresenting the heart of Jesus as what Jesus called the Pharisees' whitewashed tombs. Who, by the way, actually, these Pharisees actually did end up being violent toward Christ and crucifying him and some religious zealots trying to overthrow the Roman Empire. So this is nothing new. What we're experiencing is nothing new. Religion has a way of stirring something in us to fight for our rights, to fight for God when he hasn't even asked us to do that. But I love, but I love, so let me, let me get off my soapbox and I love how Jesus responds to Martha's combative prayer because I think this is good for all of us because this is good because I, I found myself kind of going back and forth between in my prayer times like, God, do this, you know, I, we, got, we need, you know, and I'm like, oh, wait, and I love how Jesus responds to Martha. But the Lord said to her, verse 41, my dear Martha, listen to the love, do you hear that? It's not, Jesus isn't coming to condemn and to, to he just says, my dear Martha, I love you. I mean, this, like, you mean so much to me. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. You are worried. He cares about our worries and our concerns. But what was happening is that Martha was allowing herself to be driven by her worries and concerns, being controlled by them, rather than first being formed by Jesus through sitting at his feet, like Mary was doing. 
And what happens when we're not formed through prayer, when we don't spend enough time in the presence of God, being formed into his image, what happens in our prayer life is we bring our agendas to our prayers. And and Jesus goes on, he says, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. That's That's a bold statement. Everything going on in our world, I don't, it's hard for me to even say there's only one thing worth being concerned about, but I mean, let's just lean into this for a second, right? Let's just kind of think about this for a minute, that Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. There's only one thing worth being, that one thing? Really? What if the one thing, all other things flow out of that one thing? What if that's what Jesus was talking about, that if, the, that if we do the one thing well, then with all the other things that he wants us to be active in and to do and to say and to post and all of that stuff flows out of that one thing, sitting at the feet of Jesus, contemplative prayer, listening for his voice. And once you discover this space, this place, this relationship, this communion, You'll never be the same, and nobody can take it away from you. Now, I can hear the disruption in in us. I can feel it. (laughs) I can feel it in the room. I can feel it over the the internet. I can feel the disruption. Are you saying, Steve, are you saying that we should just sit and not do anything? I'm not saying that at all. We should be active. We should get out and speak for what, we're, what we believe and what we're passionate about. And I, so I understand that. But this is so important. We first must be formed into his image. Increasingly so, so that in the doing and in the acting and in the posting and in the speaking, we represent Christ and his way and his truth, and his life, and his love. See, I can assure you, in Martha's home, the work got done. The meal was prepared. The dishes cleaned, the beds made, all that happened. But what was a first priority? See, right after this, in Luke chapter 11, the very next thing, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. You know why he teaches disciples how to pray? Because the disciples recognize something that they connected something in the life of Jesus that I think that we often miss. They saw the ministry and the influence of Jesus. They saw the, the impact on the world that Jesus was having, the people, people were, that were being healed, people were being set free. There was, there was this movement happening and, and they saw all of that. They saw the op- how the open heavens, they saw, wow, the, the heavens are open under this man, Jesus, this person, of, and, they, and so they, and what did they do? They connected all of that with what? His prayer life. And we know they connected that with his prayer life because they asked him, not teach us how you ministered, teach us how to heal, teach us, they didn't ask, they said teach us to pray. We need to, we see a connection between how you spend your time with God and what God does through your life. And so teach us how to do that. Not this, not, the, not all of the, the, the stuff that's public. Teach us how to do this that's private. Because if we do this right and well, this takes care of itself. 
It flows out of our relationship with Christ. I just love that. Teach us to pray. See, prayer is the pathway to influencing our nation with God's plan. There is no other pathway. And the kind of prayer is not Martha's prayer. See, if the only time that you and I spend in God's presence at Jesus' feet is to request or even demand and not be informed by him, then your prayers will probably misrepresent God and his purposes. Now, as we practice contemplative prayer, as you find space, which I'm gonna encourage you to do this week, I want you to find some space in your home, um, somewhere quiet. I know those of you that have young kids, man, this is like gonna be hard, I get that. Um, and there's seasons in life and all of that. But, I, but even maybe it's after you put the kids to bed or you know, whatever it is, find it, for all of us, find a place that's space that's quiet. Now what's going to happen? as you begin to take just a few minutes, a few moments to quiet your heart and just kind of center yourself and just like, okay, God, I'm here. I'm here at your feet. I'm listening. I wanna listen for your voice. What's going to happen is that everything else is going to vie for your attention right then. It's gonna be like, like I said last week while I'm fasting, food is everywhere, you know? It like it's, just, it's creeping in, it's trying to creep in everywhere. It's the same when we try to get quiet and pray. The noise of the world will try to distract us. The time to be quiet is not while the news is on. The time for this is not when the kids are, are screaming. That's, it's, 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 you'll just frustrate yourself. What's going to happen when you do actually end up finding this quiet place and everything's kind of turned off and it's just this, that you begin to, your minds will begin to wander. So you not only have, you have the external stuff, the, 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 the anxieties of the future, what's going to happen, the present, all the stuff that's going on in our world in the present, but also you begin, your mind will wander to your own shame and pain of your past and the things will just try to distract you. And so what I, what I encourage people to do is don't beat yourself up. When that happens, don't like, oh, I'm such a horrible Christian. I can't even like focus, you know? No, it's all, we're all, we all experience the same thing. Instead, just like, okay, okay, that, that's, okay, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he, just re- come back to that place and maybe just whisper his name and just come back to that place. And maybe you have to do it 20 times in five minutes, but just keep coming back. Just keep coming back, Jesus. One guy said in our, in our uh, prayer school, that contemplative prayer for him is listening to Jesus, listening to me. <laughs> for some of you type A's, you're like, no, I gotta get some stuff done, Steve. Be listening to someone listening to me, it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> and that's just like, but that's that, that's that quiet place of like listening to Jesus. And what is he doing? Listening to me. There's a sense of quietness together in each other's presence. See, when we're distracted, we just consistently come back to sitting at the feet of Jesus. And eventually, this practice, I can tell you this practice will reorient your thinking. And, and from, from the painful, shameful past, the distractions of this world in the present and in the future, to the person of Jesus. Now, it's important for me to tell you, so you know what kind of church this is continuing to be, is that I'm going to keep leading you to the feet of Jesus to the best of my ability. I'm not gonna call you out. 
to stand and fight or take up arms, but to sit and rest at the feet of Jesus. To be formed and reformed by him. For our minds to be renewed and restored. And from that place of rest and connection with Christ, we can move into a world that desperately needs the life and love of Jesus. And in that place, from that place, we can act upon this world with his love. As I close in prayer today, I'm actually going to draw from the liturgy um, because it's not, I've, I've not just been learning about contemplative prayer, but I've also been learning about liturgical prayer, and it's been really life-giving to me over these last few days as I've begun to practice this. Just, I've, been, I've been saying some prayers that ch- our church fathers would pray, um, prayers that have been written down for centuries to, to, that would be of benefit to us. And I, I just want to pray these prayers. I'm gonna, and and, and I, I, wanna, I want you to join with me. And as, as we finish, I'm going to actually have you join with, with me as we, we all say together the Lord's Prayer. But, but would you get yourself in just a quiet place even now, maybe if you're able to and wherever you're at when we're watching this and just close your eyes, take a deep breath, just, just kind of relax in this moment and let these prayers be all of our prayers. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Lord Jesus, you stretched out your arms of love upon the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. Oh God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your son. Look now with compassion on the entire human family and particularly this part of the family in the United States. Would you take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts, break down the walls that separate us, unite us in bonds of love, and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth, that in your good time, all nations and races may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. 
Amen. Pray with me as we end with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, there's resources, including a prayer guide, the prayer school. They have another week's worth of classes starting tomorrow, as a matter of fact. And you can get information, their web link at our, on our website, westsidechurch.org slash 21 days. And may you spend quiet moments this week in the presence of Jesus letting him form you and shape you into his image so that we can act upon a world with his life and his love. God bless you.